0: Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Premack. On today's show, the tech world prepares to converge on Las Vegas, and the U.S. jobs picture gets much, much brighter. But first, the Green New Deal. Yesterday, the 116th Congress was sworn into office, highlighted by a new Democratic majority in the House that includes many new progressive representatives. And something a lot of them are talking about and tweeting about, besides impeachment, is what they call the Green New Deal. So like a lot of big policy initiatives, this one is not yet fully fleshed out. But the broad strokes are to tackle economic inequality and climate change simultaneously, borrowing from what Franklin Roosevelt did to help pull America out of the Great Recession, which back then was via a combination of infrastructure jobs programs and new regulatory protections. So for guidance here, the best source is probably actually the campaign website of freshman Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, because on it, she includes a piece of draft legislation that includes such proposals as creating a goal of 100 of U.S. electricity coming from renewable energy, up from just 17% today, and federal job guarantees for those working to make that transition. It also endorses the creation of universal basic income, which is something we devoted our December 4th podcast to, and the establishment of universal health care. Now, the draft legislation does not include any price tags or other explanations of how it would be paid for. But Ocasio-Cortez did today float the idea of a 70% income tax on those earning $10 million or more per year now this is not legislation that could probably pass even this house of representatives and certainly not the senate let alone get president trump's signature and even nancy pelosi isn't fully on board although she did hearten some green new dealers yesterday by addressing climate change as a key theme in her opening speech but it does matter first because it reflects how congress will be fighting different battles for the next two years than it has for the past two and also because it will begin many of those battles from a much different philosophical launch point In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper on the Green New Deal and the new political realities in D.C. with Axios Energy and climate reporter Amy Harder. But first, this. Axios Chief Technology Correspondent Ina Fried shares breaking news and analysis on the most consequential companies and players in tech from the Valley to D.C. Subscribe to Get Smarter Faster at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the ProRata Podcast. We're joined now by Axios' Amy Harder. So, Amy, you have covered climate for a very long time. When you first heard this idea of a Green New Deal, your initial reaction was?
1: That it's an incredibly catchy tone and word and slogan. And for now, that's pretty much the only thing that it is. I think the details of that policy are really going to be uh, played out in this new Congress.
0: How do you view this? Because, you know, it's interesting. Nancy Pelosi initially didn't seem to have interest. uh, actually seemed, uh, let's say, opposed to this. You had a bunch of incoming freshman Congress people who literally camped out outside her office door on Capitol Hill a couple months ago. Yesterday in her opening speech, she did highlight climate change a lot as something she wanted to really focus on. Is she coming around to the new progressive freshmen in her class or is she just kind of throwing them a rhetorical bone?
1: Agreement. The Democratic Party is in agreement that climate change is a problem, that Congress and Washington, D.C. should do something about it. But that's really where the agreement ends. Now, Speaker Pelosi has always been a big champion of, of climate action. This is not the first time that House Democrats have created a special committee to deal with it. They had one the last time they controlled the House from 2007 to 2011. And this is just the recreation of something like that. The disagreement comes into some of the wonkier details about what the policy should actually be and how aggressive the Democrats should go about it. A lot of this, also, it's important to remember, it's somewhat academic and political in nature because the Democrats control the House, but whatever they do will be dead on arrival in the, the Senate, which remains in Republican hands.
0: One of the things that we've seen traditionally at Democrats, you know, you talked about the last Democratic-controlled House and, and Senate time, is that the kind of market-based solutions to climate change issues do you view what's at least being talked about here as market-based solutions or is this much different
1: Would not be a market-based solution based upon the details that we have. The Green New Deal is a great slogan, and Democrats and others who want a climate change solution have struggled to find a good way to talk about this to get people to really care about it. As of now, the main concrete proposal in the Green New Deal is is a goal for 100% renewable electricity. Now they don't even have a date for that, and right now renewables provide 17% of our electricity. Most that is uh, hydroelectricity, which isn't typically considered one of the more popular renewables. Wind and solar typically get that reputation.
0: Getting to 100% renewable electricity in the U.S., is that a plausible goal just based on the realities of energy?
1: That's one of the biggest questions railing in the academic and think tank world right now. I did a column last year in 2018. The headline was the left civil war over climate change. And it is over this very issue. I think there's general agreement that renewables, along with battery storage, which has a long way to go, can get about 80 percent of the electricity here in the United States. This big fight is really over just the last 20 to 25 percent. So even though it seems a little bit maybe wonky and sort of a silly fight to people not in it. It's still a raging debate for people who are following it. And so to your question about market-based solution, to me, a mandate for 100% renewable electricity is not market-based. It's very much command and control. I would be remiss if I didn't mention that there's also a totally parallel effort, a bipartisan effort to introduce legislation taxing carbon emissions. And that would be more market-based.
0: Is that something you could see the Green New Dealers sign on to?
1: The spokesman for Ocasio-Cortez, he said that carbon tax could be part of that deal, but it certainly wouldn't be the only part. So I think that's an open question and something that we'll see debated quite a lot in the House this year, one thing that is interesting to me is the Democrats are sort of vying for competition for who can talk about climate change the most. And I think that's going to distract from the policy. You have the House Energy and Commerce Committee Chairman Frank Pallone saying that he's going to, his first hearing is on climate change. Now, this is separate from the Special Committee on Climate Change. and I think it's going to be a little bit confusing to people to see what page the Democrats are on because they're not on the same page, even from a logistical committee perspective, let alone the
0: policy. So, Amy, final question for you if you've got what is this kind of uh pending gridlock when it comes to this right like whether or not the house can pass something as you say the senate won't trump wouldn't sign it particularly something that you know Ocasio cortez endorses is that basically what we actually mean here then is this is going to be something that will actually be litigated in the presidential campaign both in the primary on the democratic side and then in the general in other words that all these skirmishes in the house that you've talked about that we're going to see is really just predicate for 2020
1: i certainly think that's sort of the big takeaway for now, climate change has never really been a top tier political issue. And I think particularly because of Trump's refusal to acknowledge climate change and prioritize it, and instead, in fact, repeal all the regulations and withdraw from the Paris climate deal, that is making climate change a salient political issue with Democrats. Now, it won't be the top tier issue, but I think you'll see it sort of woven into the narrative a lot more than you have before. And this debate within the Democratic Party between the progressive wing and the more ring is something that you'll see bear out in the Democratic primaries in this presidential election.
0: Amy Harder, thank you very much. My final two right after this. There is more news out there than ever before, but these days it's harder than ever to find it and to know what to trust. Axios AM takes the effort out of getting smart by synthesizing the 10 stories that will drive the day and telling you why they matter. Subscribe at signup.axios.com. And now back to the Pro Rata Podcast. Now it's time for my final two. And first up, the Consumer Electronics Show launches next week in Las Vegas. And Axios' Ina Fried this morning tells us to expect four big things. First, tons of talk about 5G networking. Second, voice assistants everywhere. Third, cars, as CES has arguably become a bigger auto innovation showcase than the Detroit Auto Show. And fourth, a keynote speech from U.S. Transportation Secretary Elaine Chao on the future of drone and self-driving regulations. And finally, this morning we learned that the U.S. economy added 312,000 new non-farm jobs in December, nearly double what analysts predicted, and we also learned that wage growth is up 3.2% year over year easily topping the rate of inflation. Now, to be sure, this doesn't necessarily mean that the economic pessimists are wrong. We've had plenty of good jobs reports heading into past recessions, and last month's jobs report is, by definition, a lagging indicator. But we are in the midst of the longest monthly job growth streak in history, so it's worth highlighting it and enjoying it while it lasts. And we're done, thanks for listening. And to my producers, Adam Grassi and Tim Shovers, have a great national trivia day. And we'll be back on Monday with another Pro Rata podcast.